don't remember it, but uh, I know I express myself, I'm sure. I remember growing up, and God blessed me with a really rich family. We didn't have a lot. We moved around a lot. And uh, my dad mostly did upholstery. And uh, I remember once he decided to drive an interstate battery distributor truck. Well, <clears throat> I think his his heart was, he, he didn't do that very long. He got back into what he knew the best. And uh, <clears throat> I was about 13 or 14. I remember moving to the house on Price Drive now, right off Pinedale Road. I'll never forget. I was in the back bedroom. There's a, there's a, about a three by three window pane. It didn't have divisions in it. It was just a, one of those that slid into a pocket. And it was cool enough, uh, warm enough. I, I think I slept with the window open. My head was at the window. But I had gone to sleep. I remember at that early age having a vision. I'll never forget it. I know it was a vision because it's not something that you just brush under the rug and you forget about. But I remember seeing standing over me two hands, I mean directly over my bed, just like this. And it was glowing. I knew who it was. It was it was just standing there over me. I, I didn't see the face, but I saw the glory. And immediately I woke up. And I knew what the Lord was doing. Sometimes he does things to get our attention. He does things to give us a preview of what's to come, to let you know, just like when Moses was at the burning bush and God, and he turned aside to see, and God saw that he turned aside to see. That's when God began to talk to him. So I want you to go with me to Romans 8, first, verse 35. And uh, let's, I'm sorry, let's look at verse 28 first. I'd love to read. I tell you what, let's just follow the Holy Spirit and go to verse 26. I continue to find such a move of God, and and during the days, at times I'll the, the Scripture tells us. Paul says. Oh, Jesus said, I wish that men always ought to pray always and not to faint. That word faint means to lose heart. So praying is, I believe when he referred to that, he's talking about a praying spirit. I believe he's talking about this constant communication where you always are ready. And when you feel the promptings of the Holy Spirit, sometimes he'll prompt you to pray Sometimes, you know, there was times he had to teach me what his voice sounded like, so I didn't think it was me. And it would come at the most important times. And sometimes he just wanted to spend time with me, just wanted the dialogue. And here lately, it's been more praying in the Spirit than ever before. But I can tell you, I can feel the shift in the atmosphere when that begins to happen. Because Paul said, I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with my understanding also. So it's important. Now, Paul is writing to the church at Rome. 
and verse 26, it's not the best of times because there's a lot of persecution going on. This is a young church, and these are young Christians. They're young believers, and he's writing this letter. I remember sitting in a camper one morning when I was in the hunting club and, and picking up my Bible before the, it got light enough so I could go hunting, and I read the whole book of Romans, and I wept as I read Romans because I, could, I knew I wasn't alone in that camper because it, it talked about being free, being just stand fast in the freedom that God has made you free. And the justification that came through the sacrifice of Jesus. And we've been given this privilege of Romans 5. Uh, when you look at Romans, it, it's ver chapter 8 is so significant. Verse 26, in a similar way, Paul says, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for. I've been there many times. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede. The, the King James says he makes intercession for us, but that word really comes from a, a, a Greek word, hooperintukano, which is hyper-intercede. That's not, you can only imagine how many blessings have been poured into our lives because the Holy Spirit is hyper interceding for us. I like what one scripture says, If verse 31 says, if God be for us, who could be against us? But he said, the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading God with emotional sighs too deep for words because God knows the heart of the Spirit. He knows the, and the Spirit knows the desire of the Father and He knows what's in my heart. He knows what's in your heart. He knows your longings. I want to put it that way. He knows what you're longing for. So God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings. There it is. He's the heart searcher. He's, he not only searches our heart to uncover may, what may be wrong, and, and I can test, attest to that, but he fulfills our, our desires so our hearts become fully his. So he says, he said he passionately pleads. He also understands the des desires of the Spirit, because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, His holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. So we're convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. Now, in the King James, it says, All things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to the called according to His purpose. But He says here in the Passion, we're convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good for we are all his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. Now, in Sierra Leone, there was an incident that happened. That's in West Africa. And there was a, um, uh, one of the things they believed is that God is inherently good and he's benevolent and, and that he really everything in the, in, in the world that happens, he works it together for our good. It's like Paul is talking about here. Well, there was a, 
there was a, a great story about this man who was of the Mendes tribe in West Africa. And so his name was Ndeli, which means peace of heart. He believed this literally, that every aspect, every event, every circumstance was God's wish and it was good. In fact, he would say that. So they, they tell the story of that one day he's on a hunting expedition with the prince. And to his horror, he shoots toward the prince in that, and blows off two fingers of his right hand. While the prince is writhing in pain and, the, and Delhi walks up to him and says, it was God's wish and it, it is good. This infuriates the prince. So he has him arrested, and while he's walk, being carried away to prison, the prince says, what do you say now? He said, it is God's wish for me to go to jail, and it is good. Well, several weeks later, the prince is out in the, in the jungle. He's walking by himself, and he gets lost. He gets into dangerous territory. As a matter of fact, he's in the territory where there's man-eaters, there's cannibals. And he gets, get, wouldn't you know it, he gets trapped in a net, their, their net. So they take him back to their village and they're making a plan to feast on him when all of a sudden one of them sees this, this man's right hand and he says, Hamui, Hamui, which is unfit to eat, unfit to eat. That would be good news. Because they believe that anyone who had a missing limb was leftovers from the supper of the gods and became <laughs> unfit to eat. So what they do, they let the, the, the prince go. While he's on his way back to his village, he's thinking about Ndeli and how unfair he was to him. And he decides to release him from prison. And just as the prince is about to apologize to Indeli, Indeli says, no apologies necessary. It was God's wish for me to be in jail, and it was good, because if I had been with you, and we had got captured by these man-eaters, they would have eaten me, but let you go. So it is true that we may not understand the things that God allows. And by the way, he, he is all powerful. And, and anything that comes in your direction, God has allowed. He, he may not make it happen, but there's something greater at work. Jesus is in He's with his disciples in John 11 and he receives word that Lazarus is sick and he waits two days, extra days, four days. He shows up four days later. While there's a reason, traditionally we know, that they thought that the spirit of the deceased would hang around the cemetery for at least three days unless they should say he wasn't really dead anyway. Jesus waited long enough so that they couldn't use that excuse. 
And I like what he told his disciples when they said, don't you know the Jews of late wanted to kill you? And, and he said, those, those that walk in darkness, he said, those that walk in the day, they don't have a problem because they're not going to stumble. But those, now he's not talking about daylight. He, he did mention there's 12 hours in the day because that's the way the Jews, uh, they, they, there was 12 hours of daylight, 12 hours of dark. And it was divided up in uh, the fourth watch, three, four watches every three hours. So Jesus says, we're going to Jerusalem. And, and they thought he's going to die. So we're going to die with you. He said, no, we're going to wake Lazarus up. And they said, well, if he's asleep, he'll do well. And Jesus knew they didn't understand. So he said, no, he's dead. And I told you, if you believed, you'll see the glory of God. I have experienced these moments in life where I've wondered, does all things really work together for good to them that love the Lord, to the called according to his purpose? Because 400 years ago, during the American Puritans, when they were, they, this is nothing new. They had a prosperity message too, and they believed that anybody that was successful or wealthy was loved by God. Sounds like a lot of the message we hear in America. And they have those preachers even in Africa. That success and wealth is evidence that God loves you. Well, I got a problem with that. Because what about the people who struggle and are in pain? What about the people who it looks like, I can tell you that there's people who struggle and they're in pain and they have financial difficulties and, and I, I'm sure they probably struggle with whether God loves them or not sometimes. Not always, but I can tell you, I'm sure there are some. But does God love them any less? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because I've discovered, I shared with you my, my story about how growing up, we, we, would, we would move. Every, I told somebody, I said, when the rent was due, we'd move. And uh, it really wasn't that way. My mom, my mom and dad were very responsible. But one of the things about mom and dad, they protected me and my sister. They never told us about the struggles financially or anything that they were going through. They never told us. As, as a matter of fact, one, I, I, after dad passed away and mom had been gone 12, uh, eight years earlier, dad passed away, I got to go through the files and I found, and, and I don't mind telling you this, I never knew this till after dad was gone, that they had filed for bankruptcy. And they had, they had sold the house that I, was, I saw Jesus in and bought a Double wide trailer, and one of his friends gave him that lot in Lomax where they live now, where they, where they used to live. So I believe, and I've discovered through so many experiences that it's true that all things does work together for good to them that love the Lord, even though we may not understand why. Even though we may wonder after all, we live in a fallen world, right? This is a fallen world. 
So even the scriptures say that it rains on the just and the unjust. That because we live in this fallen world, but, but here's the, the wonderful promise that we have that we don't have to be like the world. We, even though we live in the world, Jesus said, I'm not praying for you to take them out of the world. I'm asking you to keep them from the world, from the evil one. You, you do know right now we're on enemy-held territory. We're behind the lines. But guess what? We're more than conquerors. We're hyper-conquerors. That's more than just somebody who defeats the enemy. We have absolutely nothing to be afraid of and to fear because he's already made provision. He disarmed the devil. Paul writes in Colossians and says, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly. That means he paraded them around for all of heaven to see that the devil's been stripped of his, authority, his power, his authority. He has no, uh, only thing he can do is deceive. That's all he can do. And he can only work in those people's lives that allow him to do that. He, he's not all powerful and he's not everywhere present. He can't read your mind either. He can feed your thoughts. He can feed casting down every imagination and high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So anything that comes into my mind that's against the will of and the knowledge of God, I, I'm not going to cultivate it. I'm going to cast it down. Because I know what God said. That all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to the called according to his purpose. Now, I, I want you to know something. God doesn't unnecessarily harm his children. He's not a child abuser. And I want, I want to say this because he, I think he gives me grace to say it. God didn't abuse his son on the cross either. It was our sin. It was men who were lost that nailed him to the cross. And it was our sin. It was God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And so... I want you to know, no matter what the preparation is, he's preparing you for today for what may happen tomorrow. I remember stepping out weeping when my mother passed away. I was there. We were all there by her bedside. And, and she took her last breath. We, uh, Dad put the blood pressure cup on her and it started descending and he just pulled it off and called my sister in and said, you better come. He knew better than we did because he'd been with her f over 50 years. And I remember stepping outside and say, Lord, I, I prayed for mom so many times. And she's 69 years old. And I think she's gone too soon. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, I don't want you to live in regret that it's over, son. I want you to celebrate that it happened. And I want you to live in Thanksgiving. Remember, Thanksgiving is a military move. What does it do? When you begin to give God praise in those moments, and I'm telling you, 
It, it was a one, even when dad passed away, I was, we worshiped. Some of you were there and, and, and I found out Thanksgiving is a military move that takes out of the hand of the devil what he would use against you and puts it under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, God causes everything to work together. Do, do you understand that, I don't know if you've ever seen that cooking show called Chopped. They'll have ingredients under a cover in a basket. They don't know which one they're getting or what's in the basket. But they have to come up with a, some kind of dish from the ingredients that they're dealt with. And I'm sure some of them are, you know, sardines, all kind of stuff. You know, I, I, I used to love sardines on the river. I'd eat them at home just so I could feel like I was on the river. <laughs> and, and, and so they, they, these, these master chef, these, these people can put together these ingredients and come up with a recipe that is not normal. Let me tell you about the Father. He can put together the ingredients of your circumstances. I'm about to run now. He can put together the ingredients of your circumstances and make it work out for good, for your good. So he's preparing us today for what is going to happen tomorrow. If tomorrow, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of the things of itself. Live today. And while you're living today, when things are not turning out the way you had hoped, be thankful. Because they're going to turn, he's able to turn things around and work them for your good. I'm amazed. I'm just amazed. I'm really amazed at how many times over the years I've seen God put together some of the most un. Whole, some things I would have never picked and put together something and worked it together, made it good. Amen. It is God's wish and it was good is what Indeli said. Now, so we're convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we're his lovers who've been called to fulfill his designed purpose. Now turn over to Psalm 121 with me. This is just where the Lord had me today. The King James says, I will look into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. Why? Because all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to the called according to his purpose. In the Passion, it says, I look up to the mountains and hills longing for God's help. Have you ever been in this situation when you were just longing for God to show up? Absolutely. I think all of us can say we've been there. But his timing's impeccable. It's amazing. 
Then I realized that our true help and protection is only from the Lord, our Creator, who made the heavens and the earth. Now watch this third verse in the Passion. It says, He will guard and guide me. Why? Because all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Never letting me stumble or fall. God is my keeper. He will never forget. Now look at this last phrase, nor ignore me. Let me tell you the number one thing the devil wants to make you think is God's so busy, he's ignoring you. That is absolutely a lie. Because if, if you could see from the heart of the Father, it would be like you're the only one. And he, oh my goodness. And, and, but you see, we're, we're a body of believers. But he sees us as unique and individual. So he says, He'll guard and guide me, never let me stumble or fall. God is my keeper. He will never forget nor ignore me. Verse 4, here, here's a good one. He will never slumber nor sleep. He's the guardian God for his people, Israel. Now, we're spiritual Israel. You know that, right? Because we're the spiritual seed of Abraham. We are spiritual Israel. Yahweh himself will watch over you. He's always at your side to shelter you safely in his presence. He's protecting you from all danger both day and night. Why? Because all things work together for good to them that love the Lord to the called according to his purpose. He'll keep you from every form of evil and calamity. The enemy is a master at making us worry over something that will never happen. He formulates these, these pictures. He'll play a video for you to let you see what he wants you. He wants you to buy into his idea. He wants to see if you really believe that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord to the called according to his purpose. He wants to see if you really believe and it's important for you to just begin to be thankful. The Bible said we enter his gates with thanksgiving. Now, you know what the gates represent, right? The place where the, the kingdom government takes place. The gates of the city was where the men, the, uh, the people met to establish the things that would prosper the city. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Why? Because all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to the called according to his purpose. Into his courts with praise. Praise is an act of war against the adversary. The Bible said praise silences the avenger. It means you can put him to you can put him make him quiet, get him quiet. I, I can't. It's it's amazing how Walona, she, how she worshipped tonight and sung that song. It was with all her heart. She's singing that song. I had a guy at Turning Point ask me. He said, "Has she ever sung professionally?" I said, "Well, yeah." <laughs> Every Sunday, <laughs> Amen. 
So, so you understand that somebody's watching you. Somebody, and, and it's amazing because she sung like she believes all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. She sung with a grateful heart. You could tell gratitude was coming from her. And she didn't let that hinder her. How many times in my own life has the enemy brought something that wanted me to throw in the towel and just lay back and just, no, no, I refuse. My, wife, my blood pressure's been up a little bit today. I'm going to be honest with you. It hit 166 over 93 at one point. And my wife said, you better call somebody to let them fill in. I said, I'm not doing that. I mean, respectfully. <laughs> I didn't tell her with, you know, I said, I, I can't do that. I said, because I have a call. And I said, it's going to be okay. Because I know that usually when I'm preaching, when I'm sharing what the Holy Spirit has put on my heart, then I'm fulfilling the purpose and I'm not allowing, I believe all things work together for good to them that love the Lord to the called according to his purpose. So I refuse. He, he says, he will keep you from every form of evil or calamity as he continually watches over you. I told some Young guys, I said, next time you look in the mirror, and I want to tell you tonight, next time you look in the mirror, I don't want you to just look for you. I want you to see somebody that I believe the Father is fascinated with. I want you to, next time you look in the mirror, I want you to see somebody. Now, religion will never, and, and you help me never cross that line that I would be offensive to someone who may be trapped in that same thing that calls, that causes us so much pain and anguish because we could never measure up. I, I never want to do that. But I do, I, I do want to tell you that religion, man's way, and his attempt to get to God can, can put you in a place where your struggle and your, your, your perspective of yourself is somewhat skewed because... Trying harder never worked for anyone. Because Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And Paul said, he's going to work in you what he's he, because it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's working in you. So, he's protecting you from all danger. He'll, you will be guarded by God himself. You'll be safe when you leave your home. And safely you will return. He will protect you now and he'll protect you forevermore. So we have to believe. Let's look at verse 29 now. For he knew all about us before we were born. You were no surprise to the Father. Yeah, that's Romans. I, I'm sorry. I, I did go to. I, I'm sorry. I, I went back to Romans. I'm I, I'm carried away right now. So, <laughs> thank you, brother John. Thank you. Romans eight, verse twenty nine says, "For he he knew all about us 
before we were born and he destined us. That, that's the Aramaic means he sealed us with God's mark upon us. Colossians 3, 4 and Hebrews 2, 11 is references to that. From the beginning to share the likeness of his son. That's why. To share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. It's important to begin to see yourself like he sees you. That we have been made the righteousness of God. You understand that phrase, the righteousness of God. No, it's not mine. It's not anyone else's. It's God's righteousness. We have been made that. When you begin to see yourself in that respect, then you can come boldly to the throne of grace and you can meet him face to face. You can meet him. Jesus said, we know we have the, John said, we know we have the petitions we ask because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. How do we do that? It's because we know the foundation and the fruit called love. What's his commandments? Love one another. So he goes on to say, those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. So what does this all mean? If God is determined to stand with us, tell me, who then could ever stand against us? All things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to the called according to his purpose. For God has proved his love by giving us his great treasure, the gift of his son. He not only proved his love, he proved your value in his eyes. And he says, since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold with from us anything else he has to give. Wow. If God spared not his own son but offered him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give us all things? Wow. I want, I want him to show me how to walk in that. I want him to show me how to live in that. I want him to show us how to move into that place where no matter what, all things are working together for my good, for his glory. And he, he wants to do it. He's not trying to keep anything from us. He wants to get it to us. So the most important thing is to realize that we're being conformed in the image of his son. More Christ-like. More like him. I remember sitting on a stump when they cut the timber behind that house I was telling you about. I remember sitting on a stump at 13 years old, looking up in the clouds and thinking about the Father. 13 years, I'm looking in the clouds and I'm, I'm getting blessed on a pine stump in a clear cut because I'm feeling the presence of the Lord. And I'm looking at his handiwork as the clouds and the blue sky is moving across. Oh my goodness. And I've learned after all these years, it's true. All things work together for good 
for all of us who love the Lord. I want you to stand with me. Thank you so much for coming on Wednesday night. I just appreciate that so much. Um, I want to pray.